Welcome, coaches. You are tuned in to Keep Your Pads Down, the podcast for the dudes in the trenches. So wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thank you for checking us out today. Okay, so let's go ahead and, and address the obvious. No, I haven't taken up smoking. Uh, I don't have corona. I'm not on my deathbed. Uh, I'm actually far from it, baby. We just wrapped up our first week of football here in Texarkana at Pleasant Grove. All schools in the state of Texas on the 1A through 4A levels were able to start uh, past this past Monday, uh, August 3rd. So we are now a week into it, and it's going well. Not going so well for my voice, uh, but that's okay. No doubt things look different, and they feel different with all of the precautions that we are taking due to the, the coronavirus. And I never thought that I'd be yelling, pull your mask up at a kid at football practice, but hey, here we are. Uh, you know, despite all that, it was a great week. We got a lot of work in. Uh, it felt great to be getting back to football and for me getting back to coaching some D-line. We, we got a new two-man sled that we were able to break in this week. We did a lot of work on our stances. Uh, of course, we did get-offs. We worked six-point explosion, three-point explosion, and then you know we did plenty of block recognition work. So it was a fun and busy week, uh, and it felt really good to be back to football. Anyway. If you haven't checked out last week's episode, which was our D-Line Roundtable discussion, then you got to do that. You need to go check that out. You can either listen to the audio or watch the video on our show's YouTube channel. But it is a must for all D-Line coaches, uh, especially as we get ready to head into the season. But uh, anyway, if you did catch that episode, then you'll be familiar with our guest on today's show. as we, He was a member of our five-coach panel. So today, I'm excited to welcome on McKinney High School defensive line coach, Coach Trey Bryant. Now, Coach Bryant grew up in DFW and attended Berkner High School, where he was first-team all-district both his junior and senior seasons. He was rated the number 34 best defensive tackle in the nation coming out of high school. He went on to play defensive line at Baylor University under coaches Guy Morris and then later Art Browse. He was a four-year letterman and a three-year starter for the Bears before signing a free agent deal with the Falcons, where he spent a training camp before going on to play two seasons in the AFL with the Kansas City organization. Coach landed his first teaching and coaching job at Liberty Junior High in Richardson ISD, where he was the 8th grade defensive coordinator and 7th grade head boys basketball coach. He then moved on to Plano West Senior High School, where he coached defensive tackles for four years. From Plano West, Coach Bryant moved over to McKinney High School, where he is currently the defensive line coach and in charge of community relations for the Lions program. Today, Coach Bryant and I talk about his playing career, including his best stories from his time in training camp with the Atlanta Falcons. And then we get into his coaching progression for the defensive line, some of his favorite drills, how he plans his individual time, and the best things he's picked up from talking with coaches over this offseason. Coach Bryant is a guy with a lot of passion for the game of football, coaching the defensive line and impacting kids. And I know you'll enjoy what he has to say today, so let's get to it before my voice completely gives out. Anyway. Here is Coach Trey Bryant on episode number 72 of KYPD. Well, Coach Bryant, it is uh, awesome to have you on here. We, we, we got acquainted with, with our um, D-line roundtable discussion. And, you know, I just knew that we had to get you on the podcast, so I'm glad we could get this done. Thanks for coming on and talking some, some football with us tonight. Uh, no problem. I appreciate you having me on tonight. Well, Coach, you uh, have, a, have a great background. You're a Dallas guy through and through. 
I went on to play some college ball in the Big 12 and, and, and for a time on the professional level. And now you're back in the DFW area coaching high school football. But let's, let's back up and talk about uh, just your background and your journey through the game of football uh, up to this point. Yeah, well, you know, it started, uh, I'm from another neighborhood called Hamilton Park. It's in North Dallas. Uh, actually, one of the first neighborhood, black historic neighborhoods started in that North Dallas area, uh, right down from Forest Lane in 75. Uh, grew up with a single mom. So, almost cliche, like everybody else's story, you're almost there. I play football to get out the house, to take my aggression out on somebody else. Um, didn't think much of it. Wasn't at the time when you're in third and fourth grade, you don't think nothing about going and playing in the NFL, Not at least not in my neighborhood. So, my reason for playing football was just to take some aggression out, get out the house, and and release some steam. And, you know, it kind of took off from there, me just kind of being good and taking out. I've had coaches that pushed me and seen the potential in me that I didn't see. So, started in elementary, had some some uh, neighborhood dads that took on that role for, like, father figures for us as well as coaches. And, you know, ended up going to a middle school called Richardson Junior High. I had some other great coaches there, Coach Fellas and Coach Smith, that took me under their wing and pushed me. By the time I got to middle school, I kind of got the big head a little bit. So <laughs> they kind of pushed me, pushed me and brought me back down to earth a couple times. And and uh, I was actually going to go to Lake Highlands. All my family, my mom, uh, my dad, my cousins, aunties, uncles, Everybody in my neighborhood really went to either Lake Highlands or Richardson High School. Nobody really went to Bergner. Well, uh, Coach Leffert, my high school coach, was actually at Lake Highlands back when they had the Marcus Figures. And uh, all those guys that was that when Lake Highlands was actually that boneyard and going to yeah. into the playoffs. And my brother was a part of that back when that 93, 94, 95 team. And... My brother found out that Coach Leffer was the head coach at Bergner, and it was like, nah, he needs to go to Bergner because I know what kind of guy Coach Leffert is. And uh, that's what that's what kind of took me to Bergner, was the first one in my family to go to Bergner. And you know, it was a great experience. Got up there, uh, played varsity for three years, had an awesome D-line coach in Brett Sawyer, who eventually went on to be the head coach at Baytown Sterling, uh, Sweeney, and now he's the defensive coordinator down there in Bernie. Still talk to him at least twice, three times a month. And like I said, I also played for Jim Left, who's still a coach at Bergner. Uh, we played for some other awesome coaches. So when I got there, it was we had a good team. You know, Bergner had went to the playoffs in like 12, 13 years. My first year, my sophomore year, 2002, uh, we went 6-4, and four, but needed some help to get in and didn't get that help. So we didn't make the playoffs, but my junior year, we got that help from actually Allen beating Plano West, and we got in to secure that last spot and ended up playing Dallas Carter, and, of course, we lost that one. So um, the good thing that came out of that was that if you go back and watch Friday Night Lights, we got a couple clips in there. <laughs> when, Carter, when, when Carter played Bergner, and they used a couple of those clips for Friday Night Lights. So that's the only good that came yeah, out of that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but we broke that drought at Bergner. Once that was that was 2003. Hadn't been to the playoffs since like 1990. And so uh, coming back my senior year, you know, we kind of got lucky. We wasn't as talented, but we still had a good group. But we got lucky with the district they put us in. They put us in with all the Carrollton schools, and no disrespect to the Carrollton schools, but I think that nine five way back in the day when you had all the Plano schools, the the Allens and the Rockwalls when they had Vincent Meek 
and uh, the app, the the Allens, of course, is Allen, and then you had Plano East that had uh, Damon Carruthers, Wynell Selden, Vasquez at quarterback. You had Plano West who had the Ruber brothers, uh, Jordan Pugh, Plano that had, of course, you know, just Plano being Plano. So it was a tough district, but my senior year we got put in there with all three Carrollton schools. We had Jesuit. And then that was the first time that all the Richardson schools were together. So that was a big thing, too, because Richardson High School and Richardson Pierce was coming up from 5A. So that year, we actually went district champs, co-district champs with Jesuit. Um, and we finished, I think it was 7-3. and three. Uh, We beat Skyline in the first round of the playoffs, and they had a pretty good team. They actually had a guy named Michael Morgan that went on to play at USC. Uh, and then we ended up losing to eventually the state champions. Tyler Lee, and that's when they had Siren Black that went on to play at LSU and had yeah. a good running back. Yeah, And those guys actually went on to play. The crazy thing about that is back then, you know, you didn't think too much of, you know, you know you want to go deep in the playoffs and things like that, but as working in high school, you don't just think kind of like, you know, going to state and things like that. So I remember Coach Leffert telling us, like, whoever wins this game will go on and win state. And you kind of was just like, I know we can win, but dang, can we go win state? And sure enough, you know, um, Tyler Lee goes on to win state that year. So yeah. it was crazy, but that was kind of my experience. And through all that, um, that was just my playing career. But I had moments in there where, like I said, I had still got the big head. And I actually was a captain and coach. I took a visit and missed a, and missed a Sunday, uh, what was it, a Saturday morning practice. A Monday practice, it was a Friday practice. And uh, everybody knows, you know, if you're in Dallas, you can't miss that Friday practice. It don't yeah. matter if it's fair or not. You better be there. <laughs> it's, just like, it's just like a Labor Day practice. Yeah, yeah. You're expected to be there. So, um, And you're talking about the I Texas miss- State Fair for those guys who don't know. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, the Texas State Fair. If you don't know about it, well, it's not open this year, of course, due to everything. But, man, that's the best thing. Even to this day, I look forward to going just to eat. Yeah, yeah. You know, yep. so um, I love taking my daughter. I think I'm more excited than her to go just because <laughs> I get to go eat me a funnel cake, turkey legs, and all those other oh, yeah. things they bring out every year. So I actually ended up missing the Friday practice, took a visit up there to BYU. And I remember Coach calling me Monday morning and was like, Where are you at? I'm, like, I'm in Utah. And it was like, uh, Okay, see you when you get back. And I'm thinking, Okay, cool. I got back and it was. Uh, it was the worst thing ever. <laughs> got back and I had every coach mad at me. Uh, got called out. Got stripped of being a captain for that week and actually had to sit out that week. And it was actually like a, it was a shock to me, but it it taught me something. Like my coach, Coach Leffert, is the best that you don't care who you are. You you gonna follow the same rules as everybody. You know, yeah. I think it back to the previous year. I played with a key to lead who's probably gonna be a future Hall of Famer. That you know, actually second in a. NFL history with turning interceptions right now. Um, he was on my team. He was a year older. And I remember him high-stepping, catching the interception against Rockwall and high-stepping in the end zone. And Coach Leffert met him in the end zone and ripped him a new. <laughs> and he actually got suspended the next the next, the next, uh, the next game for a half. So that happened to me the following year. I got suspended for a whole game, didn't play, uh, wasn't the captain for that game. But it brought me back down to reality and just let me know, like, you're not bigger than, you know, anybody. It comes back to that saying where it says no I and T, you know. Yeah. So that was one of those situations. Uh, started getting scholarships after my junior season. Got up to about 30 scholarships. 
go to my senior year. I actually lost my father probably the week four. Uh, passed away from a brain embolism. So, you know, so uh, that's kind of my decision. If you fast forward to why I chose Baylor, my last, one of my last conversations with my father was just like, you know, if you go to Baylor, it'll be easy for us to commute down there. And that was one of the last things I remember him saying because uh, it came down to Baylor, U of A, Mississippi State, Arizona, and uh, BYU is where I took all my five uh, my five visits. So, so was Baylor, you know, Big Twelve, close to home, single mom, had a little brother. So that's the reason why I chose Baylor. Was and fast forward, I got to Baylor, uh, ended up being a four year letterman, three year starter, and. Man, just buying into a system. You know, I, you know I, what I like about this D line is you're not going to get all the, the 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 praise. You know, no, none of those fans in the stands are saying "Wow." You know, unless you're just jumping off the chart. But nine times out of ten, a mom, a uncle, a grandpa up there, not if they don't really know much about football, they're not looking at the D line. Who are they looking at? They're looking at the running back, the quarterback, or the receiver. Yeah. You know, yep. we don't get any love up front. And I and I took that as a challenge though because I liked it because my linebackers let me know that none of this is possible without us up front. If we're not taking up double teams and getting hands on linemen, they don't make a hundred times. Right. You know, I, I I remember hearing a story from Ray Lewis, and he said that you know he went from uh, being at making a hundred tackles and then his tackles are dropped. And it's because he said they have a nose guard in there that can take up blockers. And that's the reason why they went out and uh, drafted, uh, at the time, it was the guy from Oregon. Yeah, uh, Haloti Nada. His name. Yes, that's why yeah. they drafted him, because he, he was so used to having Saragusa in the middle. Yeah. And then when Saragusa retired, he line, the lineman was on him. He couldn't, the, the guy in front of him couldn't keep the lineman off of him. So, you know, uh, I, I like it. You know, I was the guy that, you know, uh, like I say, you, I, I signed undrafted free agent with Atlanta Falcons. I'm just talking about a guy that only had 28 tackles and two sacks. You know, those, of course, those numbers don't jump off. But, of course, it was all the little things I was doing. I was playing my technique right. I wasn't a selfish player. And I was doing what was asking me, make sure I was running to the ball any chance I could, make sure I'm keeping those linemen off my linebackers and playing my technique. And that's what I try to tell my guys now. The, the stats and all that is going to come. You know, the, the what, what coaches want to see is that you're not a selfish player and that you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing. And so that's what got me to being a three-year starter, four-year letterman, signing undrafted with Atlanta, uh, end up getting cut during training camp, and then I end up playing two more years of arena football. And that's what got me into where I'm at now, just going into my eighth year of coaching. So. You talked about that mentality you had about just you know, not really caring about having the spotlight and, and, you know, more worried about keeping your linebackers behind you clean. Who do you credit with instilling that mindset into you? I take it back to uh, my coach. I said, I mentioned earlier, Coach Sawyer, Brett Sawyer. He's the one that kind of, because I was coming from a place where in in elementary, I played linebacker because I wasn't, I was big, but I was kind of athletic. I could run. And then when I got to middle school, I kind of played online, but I had I had some great coaches to where they said, "Man, you you kind of fast for your size, and of course you big." So I honestly played running back as a freshman. So I'm coming up to to high school because we had been, back when I was in school, you was a freshman, you were still in middle school, it wasn't high school. 
Enriching that is even enriching now. They just probably start bringing the freshmen up to the schools. I think in two thousand and eight or something when I actually graduated from uh, when I after I graduated. So I played running back, and so when I'm getting up to Bergner, this is my first time really playing defensive line and only having one coach for that position. And we actually spending time there. You know, in middle school, you got two coaches. You got offense coach, defense yeah. coach. You got to yeah. coach everything. So. You know, it was there when I actually started learning the technique from Coach Sawyer, a stance. This is what you read. This is your keys. This is what you should be looking at. And so that's when I kind of started figuring it out then. You mentioned your, your days, uh, you know, playing professionally. Uh, tell us your most interesting story from playing, you know, being in, in training camp with the Falcons or, or playing uh, arena ball in Kansas City. Got two, two of them from uh, Atlanta. Uh, one of them would be again. I, you know, everybody, I think everybody has those times where you just—it's not just the one time in your life you got to get brought back down to reality. <laughs> you keep having, you have them. So, yeah, you know, I told you right. I had one in, in middle school, I had it in high school, and I kind of had it in college a little bit, but I had it again. And when I made it in the NFL, you know, even though I signed undrafted, it's like not too many people get that shot. Like. You know, I was only one of five of us that one, two guys got drafted and then four of us signed undrafted coming out of Baylor out of, you know, 20-some seniors. So, you know, there's not too many people that get that opportunity. So, again, I got there, probably thought I made it and thought it was going to be, you know, I'm there and, you know, I'm here. I'm here for good. And you don't realize when you get there, you know, I'm not going to say it's harder. It kind of gets easier, honestly, like, if you go to the same system, like I've always been a four-man, four-man front guy, like from high school to college to Atlanta. So it kind of wasn't different. And then you just link those plays. Well, okay, this is kind of what we call it at Baylor. So it's the same thing. So the plays and things weren't, weren't different. But you start realizing, like, it's a lot faster. Just like going from high school to college, going from college to NFL, it's a lot faster. So I told a story not, not too long ago to some of my uh, other coaches. said, man, it wasn't until... I went against a, 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 a practice squad guard. It wasn't big at all. I played against much bigger. And I got out there and was like, it's my turn. I, it's my turn. This guy ain't that big. I'm not nervous going against any practice squad. And when I say this guy reached me so fast, like it was, it was a wake-up call. Like yeah. I was not expecting this guy they, for them to run zone and him to reach me as easy as he did. That's when I knew, okay, this is a different ball game up here. So that's one of my that's one of my funny stories. Another story is when I realized that you're around guys that got money. I was, it was in a cafeteria, you know, you get to eat for free, you got chefs. And it was the year of two thousand nine, so this is the Lakers and the Clippers playing. I mean the Lakers and the Celtics playing in the finals. And I heard two of the star some of the star players on D one of the star players on defense, one of the star players on offense. And I heard him talking about, man, I got the Lakers. I got the Celtics. And he was like, uh, well, bet 10. And he was like, okay, bet. We'll bet 10. I'm thinking, man, $10, I'll jump in on that. And then so they shook on it and said, so we agreed to 10000 right? I said, whoa. <laughs> that's, that's when I knew I was in a different tax yeah. bracket as those yeah. guys. Too. Yep. So yep. it's like, man, it's a different ball game when you come from college and you know you just bet me i bet you ten dollars you can't make that to where they bet ten thousand dollars yeah. on a series yeah so yeah you know that's probably two of my stories that i tell most often to people when i tell them about me 
making it to the NFL. So was coaching something that was always on your radar and you're just, you know, once, once the football stuff kind of ran its course, you knew that's what you wanted to do or how did that work out? Uh, it kind of came with, I'm an active guy and it was just like uh, playing football for so long, um, having that freedom, that ability to move around. I, I, I'll be honest, my mom, we, we didn't have just the, the, the greatest amount of money, but my mom made it to where she didn't want me to have a job in, 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 in high school. She wanted me to focus on grades. And she was like, well, what I got to do to get money and get food around, but do it. But I don't want you having to work. So I'll be honest, I, I'm not going to say I was spoiled because we still live tonight. I still had some nights where I had to eat cereal for dinner. You know, but yeah. my mom was just a go-getter. So I say that to say I wasn't used to working. Like you talking about getting out of an NFL camp, getting cut, and you like, dude, I've never had a job in my life. You know, so yeah. what do I want to do? And they go back to the quote, like I told Peter and Coach uh, Noonan and all you guys who was on our, our Zoom call last week. It was just like, man, I got all this knowledge I've gained from from elementary to middle school to high school to college and being able to go to the NFL. Uh, why bottle all this up to say, yeah, I got a degree and go sit behind a desk? You know, for me, it ain't about money. I just want to be comfortable as long as i can live in a house i want to live in and drive the car i want to my, my wife is happy my kids are happy it ain't about the money if i wanted to right now i could go get me a six-figure job right now just because of the guys i play football with and and play for and they know me i mean i know they can let I me mean, these guys are making money now in oil fields and everything i know i could go work for them but I, that's not my passion my passion is if i got all this knowledge of football I would be selfish to keep it and not pass it along to these to this next generation. So when I got cut, came back and did a little eyes and ends up actually worked security. Me and my wife laughed about it to this day. Like, man, I, I went from a D1 football player NFL to working security. <laughs> and we just laugh about it now because we just sit back and we look at our house now out here in Allen and the cars we're driving and what we're doing. You know, it's like, man, whoever would have thought we would have both been here. You know, we're talking about um, at one point, we know coaching salaries is not that much. I was the breadwinner in my family. Yeah, you know, my wife made less than me, and you talking about now my my money that I make compared to what she make, I pay for the groceries. Of <laughs> you know, so you know we laugh uh, about that, but that's what it was. It was one of those situations where it was just when I realized that you know I'm hanging up the cleat. What do I want to do? And like, I want to coach. I want to coach. I want to teach. It ain't all about even football players. I want to be that teacher that I really never have. I want to be that teacher to tell that that student that's not an athlete, you still going to be something, you know. I want to be that that teacher that if I can touch one, I did my job. So here we are. I would say it was when I got done hanging up the cleats and I realized I still love this game. And there's no way I can go put on a suit and tie and sit behind a desk all day and keep all this knowledge to myself. I got to give it out to somebody. Well, and I'm sure you, you know you, you provide a unique perspective to the kids you're coaching because you grew up right there where they are, you know, right there where you are. Uh, you went through that, you know, you 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 were recruited by a big time school. You went on, uh, and you, so you've seen all sides of that. So I'm sure that that uh, it's it's easier to relate to those kids uh, because of your experience. 
Yeah, it is. You know, I um, see a lot of kids that uh, I have a couple kids that you know single single parent household living with the mom, and I and I think that I had a couple of those 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 players or teammates I played with, but we still didn't have nobody just being able to. I don't. And it's no, no, nothing wrong with it. No disrespect. None of the coaches I had at Bergner, but I don't think any of those, any of those coaches could relate to that. Right. I don't think I, I sit here and I, I love the, the the heck out of Coach Leffert. I love the heck out of Coach Sawyer, but they had both parents around. You know. Yeah. Like they grew up with both parents in the household, so they couldn't relate. I mean, they was heck of a coaches, heck of heck of men. I look at them with the utmost respect, but they couldn't relate to me in that sense. And, you know, that's not their fault, you know. So my thing is I want to be able to relate to all kids, but I definitely want to be able to relate to those kids that say, you know, everybody can say, I know how you feel. And sometimes it's like you really don't. And I want to be able to say that and be able to say, I really know how you feel. Like, if somebody loses a parent, I know how you feel. Like, I've lost a parent at 17 years old, so I can sit here and tell you, I know how I feel, and not just say it. Like I honestly know how you feeling right now. Yeah. And so that's kind of that's kind of my aspect and my perspective of going about it, of being able to get those kids that man, I can relate to everything you're going through, or most of the things you're going through. And I think that's the great thing about our staff is that we got all coaches of all uh, ethnicities and. And different backgrounds that if, if I can't relate to them, I guarantee we got another coach that can. Yeah, that's a that's a great thing to to be able to to have that background and go on experience the success that you've experienced. Uh, I'm sure that that's that's huge for uh, you know just just talking to your kids and being able to relate to them and being able to coach them. Let's talk about about coaching defensive line specifically. Uh, talk to us about your coaching progression for your defensive line and and I guess. You know, to be more specific, really talking about run game stuff. We can talk about pass rush later, but you know, just your your you know day one stuff. You guys, you're on the on the six A level. You're going to be starting here in about a month. So when you roll out uh, with with your guys, what's that progression look like for your defensive line? The well, first thing we got to start with is a stand. No stands, everything else is pointless. I want to make sure everything with that stance is perfect. And I'm talking about. We get to the point where I know my guys get mad. If I see them in the stands and I see your toe uh, inch, inside or outside, I'm going to say straighten your feet up, straighten your left foot, straighten your right foot. But we got everything pointed straight ahead. Our knees are not topped in. And we got hips are aligned, hips are on the same level. And we got a, a, got, our, got our hips up a little bit, but not all the way over. We got that knee bend, that offhand is ready to strike something. And that's the first thing I'm teaching. And from there, now we go progression of we go from stance to, to takeoff to hand placement. And in between that, you got to throw in. By the time I do that, now I can start giving them the tricks and trades of the game of what to read. So, you know, I went from uh, I used to be a guy that you got to read to, you know, play to, you know, read the shoulder. And that's when I was early in my coaching. It was like, how you going to read through the shoulder? So now you're telling that guy to pop straight up out of his hand. Right. Yep. You know, he can't see that shoulder when he's in a stand. So now we go to a progression where I'm telling them guys to read that ankle to knee. When I'm in my stand, I'm reading ankle to knee to hand. And when he put his hand on that ground, if I see those knuckles breaking, 
Oh, he's coming right at me more than likely. If I see those 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 fingers those fingernails barely touching the ground, more than likely he's passing or he's pulling. You know, so I tell those guys to reach that hand, and now we're reading. And when the ball is not, now we're reading that ankle to me. Because, of course, when I walk and when I run, where I got to go, I, I got to use my leg. And so now that ankle or knee is going to come at me. It's going to go either lateral or it's going to go back. And then when I get out of my stance and I know where the ankle or knee is going, now I can play through the shoulder and we're attacking half a man. How have you, you've already mentioned it. You, how have you over the years, you know, tweaked that and, and um, you know, polished that progression up over the years? I think it was just realizing of, uh, them kids, you, you, the kids, is, you got to think that every kid is not going to be that athlete that you expect or that D1 guy. You know, they, gonna, they might be a starter for you, but that don't mean they're just going to be that the best athlete, the, the, the smartest, smartest athlete on the field. So whatever you tell them, that's what they're going to do. And that's all they know. So like I said, when I'm telling these guys to, to play through the shoulder and, you know, okay, I'm playing through the shoulder, so, but you're not telling me what to read. So they're just like, okay, he said play through the shoulder. So that means when I get out of my stands, I got to play through the shoulder. Well, now to me, I'm telling them guys to pop straight up out the stands. And I realized, why are we playing so high? We're playing so high. And then it started making sense. Well, you're telling them guys to play through the shoulder. So, of course, they thinking, okay, I got to play through the shoulder. So, as soon as I get out the stands, I got to hurry up and get up so I can see that shoulder. Yeah. And it just yeah. made sense. So, it was like, man, I got to change this progression. And, and it all just comes back to, it ain't me. You know, I feel everything we done got is either something we done, we've uh, been asked to do or we've talked to somebody about it. Yep, and I got good people between my D line coach, like I said, from Bay, uh, from Bergner, so Brett Sawyer, and I really I get a lot of my drills from my D line coach from Baylor, uh, Chris Acuff, who's actually he was actually the, uh, the D line coach for the Arizona Cardinals the last two years, and now he's coming into his first year at Syracuse. He gives me drill tape. Uh, he I actually made a drill tape for him, and now I got it and use it and show my kids. So it's one of those situations, too, uh, where you just seek knowledge from people. Like what we did last week with the Zoom, it's perfect. Like I learned a lot being in there. When you kind of feel like you kind of know it, and then you get on the Zoom with other coaches, you're like, man, I never thought of it like that. Yeah, no doubt. You know, to where, like, where I tell my guys, hey, you know, y'all think it's crazy that I asked you to bring a notebook in here Every time we meet, even if we meet for 10 minutes, and y'all look at me like, Coach, why we got to bring our notebook? But here it is. I'm a 33-year-old grown man that's, that's a D-line coach and can say I've made it to the top, and yet I'm still taking notes. Yep. So why can't you? You know, so that's kind of how I go about it. Yeah, I think it's – and you talked about this, you know, doing some things when you're a young coach. And sometimes I know I – I think back to some of the drills and things that I had my guys do, and I, I just shudder a little bit because – you know, I think when you're when you're younger, you're going off a lot of stuff that you've seen before, but you don't. Re- there's really no why behind it. You know, like man, it just yeah. look, it looks cool. You know, or I saw the you know whatever team you watched that Saturday do it, and so that's that's you know that's what we're gonna do. And there's really no why behind it. So when you ask, you know, like, well, why the shoulder? Well, I don't really know. And, and so I think it kind of takes that 
you know, you, you thinking through some stuff and, and sometimes some trial and error of saying, you know, maybe the shoulder's not the best thing to key. We key the knee also. That's, you know, we, we do the same thing. We're, we're keying the knee, attacking the V, talking about the V of his neck. So that's basically what you're talking about right there. And, and I think, too, once you kind of see things from your kid's perspective and say, you know, why, and, and, and are able to have that conversation with yourself, you're going to be a better coach because of it. Yeah, and that's exactly what we do. We do the, the build and neck as well. So, and you know, that's what it like. You, you, you hit the nail on the coffin. You know, that's exactly what it is. You come into this game and you just start seeing all these guys. Oh man, I'm gonna do that with my guy. I'm gonna do that with my guy. And even to this day, I see all these trainers that do cool stuff like with NFL guys, and I'm like, man. But I gotta realize, I don't coach that guy. You yeah. know, I don't coach yeah. a guy like that. You know, so I don't need to do that drill. I'm not going to do a drill just for the fun of it. The main thing yeah. I tell my guys is I never have you do a drill. Two things. I never have you do a drill that either I can't show you or I've never done. And I never have you do a drill that won't translate to a game. Yeah. Like, yeah. we're not going to be out here just working on feet. Like, I want, I, we do some agility stuff with the D line, and that's just to show we athletes and just to work on your feet. But I'm not going to spend no more than three, four minutes on a drill with agility. And right. more than likely, that's just on, that's usually doing our summer skills and stuff. When I get into my actual practices and when I get in season, I'm not doing no agility drills, you know. We're going to do stuff that's going what we need for this week, and that's it. Like, we're not just doing drills just for the fun of it because it looks cool when somebody comes around, like, I tell my guys, hey, you going with the drills that we do might be the most boring drills you ever done. Somebody's gonna come probably stand at our individual and say, These guys, this is boring. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you it's gonna translate on Thursday and Friday night. You know, greatness usually is boring. It's doing those boring things over and over and over again. And I think sometimes we can get caught up in the flashy stuff. But it's kind of like what you're talking about and what we're both talking about here is you have to have that foundation like this is what we're going to do and this is what we're going to be really good at. And then when you go and look at these different drills, you think, okay, does that fit with what I'm trying to do at McKinney High School or at Pleasant Grove High School? And if it does, great, let's do this drill. If not, then that's not for us because you're right. You, you, know, you have your guys and they have a different skill set than maybe another school or another program and you have to plan your drills and your individual accordingly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's perfect. You know, because that's we go in and and if I when I watch film on a on a on an opponent and I see that hey, okay, man, this is a big zone team. So I was out of drill for we're gonna work a lot of zones doing individual. You know, ain't no point of me working uh, the the trap ten times doing my individual if they if they only ran it. They haven't even shown it, you know. Right. But if they yeah. run in the heck out of zone, that's what we're gonna work on. I got zone drills. We can work in pods. We can work in a full line, and I'm gonna find a way to get it in there. But I go off of the opponent. What I usually do is sometimes doing off season, kind of spring, and that skills during the summer. I kind of implement all the drills, everything we're gonna do, because when I get to the season. It's like we're not going to be able to do all these drills every day. So now when I say a drill, I might have to refresh you a little bit, but at least we can say we've done it before and that's what we're doing. Yep. I don't want to come across it. I don't want to come across something that, man, we need to work 
zone. Okay, man, we're going to do this. We're going to try this drill. No, they already know that. We've already done it before. We just might not have done it in a while. We probably ain't played a zone team in the last three weeks. But they know what I'm talking about when I say, hey, let's work zone drill. They know lock up, offense on this side, defense on this side. Offense, I'm telling you which way to try to reach them, and defense, don't let them reach them. Yeah. You know, so it's just, it's just one of those situations. We got a lot of stuff in our bag, and that kind of goes with my pass rush. I'm going to teach you a different – I'm going to teach you all type of pass rush moves when it's all said and done because you got to figure out which one works best for you. You know, you can't go in there, you know, that's what I tell my guys. We in practice, we do one-on-ones with the offense. That's where you find out. Try everything. Don't get out here like I'm trying – yeah, you're trying to win, but you're really trying to figure out what you want to go into Thursday or Friday night with. No doubt. Man, that works. That worked right there. Okay, cool. Put that in the bag. Yep. Oh, uh, man, that ain't work. Don't take that with me because if I can't do it out here against my guy, dang sure probably won't be able to do it against that guy on Thursday or Friday. Yeah, yeah. So. So when you're planning out your individual time, you talked about how you kind of you kind of you know tailor off or, or tail off on the on the agilities as you get into the season. So when you're looking at your individual schedule or looking at your practice schedule, how do you divide up your your indie time? I always say, I think every coach and I think every coach knows this. You always got to have them EDDs. So so for D line for us, they know every day we always going to do a, a get off. The BZOs, I call it ball get off, and we always going to do a BZO with a redirect. That's every day. Every day they're going to get up under that chute, and we're going to do ball get off. I don't care if it's rain, sleet, or snow. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it. If we got access to that chute, we're going to do it. Now, if we got to go inside indoor because it's raining, you're still going to do ball get off. You just got lucky today that you want to do it up under the chute. So uh, we're always going to do those every day. And then I just, once I get my schedule, I see how much individual time I have, and you time I have 20, 25. And I know, okay, this first three to five minutes, ball get off, ball get off, redirect. And after that, we're going straight into it. You know, what I try to do is, you know, I try to get down there and we do a pre practice, and our pre practice is usually going to be our review time. So get down there five, 10 minutes over, we're going to do review. So we ain't got to do it in our individual. We're going to knock out review. We're going to get on the cans. I'm going to give you the signal. Uh, with hand signal, you're going to call it out. We're going to line up, and I'm gonna, we ain't got to get no stands, no helmets, and we're going to step to it. Fair hit, boom, okay, next, blah, blah, we're going to do that. So then we get into our individual time. We don't got to waste some time on it. So as soon as we get out of the ball, get off and redirection, I'm usually going straight to a review, kind of. The good thing about us, uh, we kind of have D1 Mondays. So on Mondays, it's kind of like a teaching day. So I get still do my ball get off, but after that we start talking. We'll talk about for five minutes. I use five minutes to say, hey, these are the top five plays they like to do. They're gonna run GT, they're gonna run GG, they're gonna run trap, counter, um, all these different scenarios that everybody has in her days. And this is what they're gonna do. This is how they're gonna block it. This is how they're gonna block it if we're in a four right here. This is how they're gonna block it if we're in a five right here. And we'll go through that for about five minutes. And then we'll break up and kind of start getting in pods. If I want to slow it down on those days, I'll get in pods. I either might go with just partner it up, and we'll do um, – I have a drill called BRD where they partner it up, and we'll go two-point stand. Just one, there's just two people, you, one person on offense, one person playing defense. And I'm standing behind the defense, and I'm telling every offensive player which way to go. They all going at once. And all that defense guy knows he's doing is he's got his feet in the right position, 
He's got his knees bent. He got his hands ready. The only thing he does, the only reason he doesn't look like he's in a stance is because he's in a two point. I tell him if he wanted, if he wants to get a stance right now, shouldn't nothing change. He shouldn't have to move his feet or nothing. Yep. And so what he's doing is, and even in, even in his drill right now, he's still looking down at this guy ankle to knee. And whichever way he steps, we call it BRD. He's going to give you a base, he's going to give you a reach, he's going to give you a down. And that's all we're doing. We just step into it, two or three steps. So if I'm in a left shade, I got my right foot back, and I tell that blind man try to reach you, I see my first step is my test step, my second step is my redirect step. And we still play half a man. Then we hear him get back to the line, reload. I give him a down block. Okay, I see you get hands on that guy's chest plate, you squeeze him, eyes inside. Okay, come back, I'm going to give you a baseball. I see you come off, hands above your eyes, lock your arms out, you're playing half a man, taking that guy backwards. We did three, next shade, go to the right shade, left hand, left foot back. And that's how progression we do that. And then we start getting into a, maybe we go two on one now. So now I got a, 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 I got a four technique, got my DN playing a four technique, and he's, going against the guard and tackle. Or I might have got my DN in a five technique and I put a tight end or a little off spot right there in the, in the tackle and we work block teams. I got my nose guards and it's looking like they're going against the center and the guard. And I just give them all different scenarios. That's on a Monday. So then when I get to Tuesday and we got four pads on, now I throw that thing all in there together and we go a four line with it. And then after we get done with that, we usually go to five on five with the with the front seven, and then we go to a, yeah, uh, uh, I leave. lost the head, got a brain fart, but we end up going something uh, form wreck. That's what it is, form wreck with the whole defense. And then we go a break, and then we come back and do inside run and things like that. More than likely, but that's what I said. Like my my individual is born. You, you, and when I when I explain it to you, you like man. So the only thing you really doing is ball get off and block breaking it. That's all we doing. I tell my guys that we usually don't work fast rush until first week of of game week, maybe. Yeah. And we yeah. usually work on that on like the Wednesday when you kind of get back to a lighter practice. We will do pass rush at the beginning of the practice. That's what we do pre practice. Yeah. So my guys, my, my quotes I use that to, in order to earn the right to pat, rush the passer, you got to stop the run. Yeah. You know, if, if you ain't stopping the run, you ain't, we ain't going to pass rush nothing. They're going to keep running the ball. So, you know, so that's one of the things that we do. I don't teach pass rush for like three weeks. I don't care. Even if we go do one-on-ones, we do teams, and we can't get a pass rush, cool. I take the yelling from my coach, but I know we're going to be able to stop that run. Coach, I mean, I'm, I'm shaking my head over here. Okay, so we started uh, fall camp today. Four A's could could start today, and and I wish I could I could show you my practice plan for today because that's exactly what we did. First ten minutes, we had twenty minutes. First ten minutes was ball get off, and ball get off would change the direction. And then our next our next ten minutes was block recognition, and we were we were in our pods, and and same thing, base reach or down. Um, you know, we're playing head up four technique. So, um, you know, with our defensive ends, at least that's what we're working today. And, and so I, I get, you're right. It's boring. It's not, it's not, uh, exciting. It's not sexy. You know, no one's going to throw that stuff on YouTube and, and, you know, it's not going to go viral or anything like that. It's just, but it's stuff that you have to have down in order to play. And I'm, and I'm right there with you. Pass rush. We don't even talk about pass rush for a couple of weeks. Like we got to get this stuff down. We're not ever going to earn the right to, to, to rush the passer in the first place. So I'm, I'm totally with you on that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
Well, uh, let's talk about your guys specifically. What's what's one particular skill that that you know, looking back last season, you felt like your guys were really good at? I think we were good. I had a physical D line last year. We was pretty physical. You know, we we might not have been the strongest, but when I turn on that film, sometimes you know, you I know we're not strong as strong as some of these guys in the weight room. But when you turn on the film, you couldn't tell. Like I had. Basically, three D1 DNs out there, and I would move one of them to nose. So I'm basically playing with three D1 guys out there. You're talking about when I would come off the field getting a pop and setting a new line of scrimmage? I think that was one of the things that I, at the end of the year, compared to my first year, McKinney, to last year, I think last year was just the aggressiveness we played with and getting our pads out. When I say we delivering a blow and getting extension, Getting off of blocks and making plays. Like I think we made more plays last year as a D lineman because, of course, we wasn't selfish, but we just played our technique right. Yeah. So, so how did you? You, you, you guys were really good at, at you know uh, being physical at the point of attack. What were, were some? Were there some things that you did in practice to emphasize that, or some drills, or was that a point of emphasis going into the season? Uh, I think sometimes was you know. Just probably me, you know, I can be, be kind of hard on myself and on my guys. So, you know, you know, I can I can say things that sometimes that, you know, it's it's in the right. You know, I was saying around my, my principal, but, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those situations where I can just, I speak the truth. I can sit up here and say it and say, for us to have three D1 guys up front, it don't look like it. I don't think you guys put fear in nobody on film right now. And I would tell them, like, hey, if I was the other club, if I was such and such what we're playing this week, and I didn't, I watch film on you guys right now, this practice film, or however you practicing right now, then you guys wouldn't scare me at all. Yeah. You know, so it was just incorporating that and letting them know it. Then when I can go show it on film, it's kind of like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, I know you guys are thinking, like, man, Coach Bryant is always getting on me. But look is what I'm talking about. Look what look at look at the product you putting out. Yeah. You know, so it was just one of those situations, just being honest and being real with my players. I think that's so important. And I think sometimes and and you kind of mentioned this when you're talking about yourself as a player, that sometimes those guys and you know, and I, I have some have some talented players as well. You know, sometimes and, and our kids my kids don't think this, but but when you have talented kids, you know, they can just think that that they're the ones that made themselves, you know, six five, two sixty. You know, when that's all just that's that's natural, God given talent. Now, what you decide to do with it is on you. You know, and sometimes you see these guys who just try to get away with just their size and their just sheer athleticism and their ability, their natural ability becomes their enemy. And that's sometimes a challenge. Coaching those guys up is, is saying, yeah, 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 okay, you're bigger than everybody, but what are you going to do about it? And and challenging those guys, and when and obviously you have a relationship uh, with them where you can do that, and so that's 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 awesome. You know, looking ahead to this this coming season, twenty twenty season, what's one area where you guys you, know, you feel like you need to improve with your guys up front? Uh, I think where we need to improve, and where I think we have improved now, is the pass rush. I think I finally have a nose that that athletic and going to make a center move his feet now. I had some great noses the last two years. Don't get me wrong, great, you know, but I think they was a nose guard for a reason. You know, they wasn't that shifty. And now I've kind of took a D in and he's put on a little weight and now I can move him in the inside because I know he can hold his own on a, on a, 
on a double team, but I also know he's an athlete that's going to make that, that center move his feet. And I got two athletic guys on the outside as well. So I think that was one thing we needed to improve on from last year is being able to say, I don't care if it's three on five or three on six. If we only rushing three, and of course they got their five linemen maybe plus a running back stepping up and blocking. I think we're athletic enough to go make moves. So that's kind of something I've been focusing on this summer is doing like a two-man pass rush type thing. Okay, I beat this guy. Now yeah. the running back comes up. So now what I'm going to yeah. do? You know, yeah. I done made my move inside, but they slid this way. So now the guard too, the guard, the guard is on me now too as well. So I'm going to do what, what move I'm going to work with this guy. So I've told him, like, I think where well, I can kind of tell what us just doing skills, like our pass rush has, has gotten better. And that was the main thing I wanted to focus on this year. And I think, it's going to be a lot better than what we have had the last two years. I I knock on wood, I think our sacks will go. We had sacks last year, don't get me wrong, but I think they will go up a good amount this year. Yeah, and, and you know, a lot of times with those guys up front, it's it's sacks are awesome, but it's just affecting the quarterback, you know, getting, getting him to move off his spot, batted balls, you know, hurried passes, uh, cloudy windows, those things, those are all can be can be equally as, as important. You know, sacks are the things that get the attention, but affecting that quarterback is so important for a defensive front, especially against today's offenses. Oh, yeah. That's, if you just get back there and you rattle quarterback, it ain't nothing like a quarterback killing a defensive lineman's hand on his shoulder pad or anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, just him feeling that is kind of like, man, okay. And you do that enough, and this guy's going to be trying to get that ball out as soon as possible. Yeah. You know, so that, that's that's just what I teach them. It's, and, you know, it's just all about setting up your opponent. My biggest thing that I tell those guys is, I don't think he's going to come out on the first uh, pass play and get a sack. It might not happen to the second quarter. You just got to set that guy up. You got to lure him to sleep. Lure him to sleep. So what he's going on to that sideline, and I call it. Like I said, I guarantee they're going to go on that sideline. So I'll coach. He's doing the same move. He's doing the same move. And by the time he started getting comfortable, that's when you hit him with a counter. Yep. And then you yeah. come back and hit him with another counter. So now where he's like, he's he's doing pass sets, and he don't know what to expect. And now you're in his exactly right. To where he's not, he's, he's losing his technique of what he's supposed to do just to try to figure out what you're gonna do. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's a, it's such so. a chess game, and you're 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 right. You're spending, you know, it's just like in boxing. You're spending those early rounds setting him up for something that's coming on later, and and that's what we always talk about. Like you do all these moves. To, and, and you, you save your, you kind of save your ace, or maybe maybe you have a really really strong counter move for that you know critical situation in the third quarter when you gotta have it. And now you get that kid, and you're right. Now you get him on a changeup. Maybe it's an inside counter, or it's a you know you've been using speed, and now you use power, or, or vice versa. And now you got him because now he he doesn't know what you're gonna do, right? And he's lunging, he's his you're swimming in his dome at that point, and that's when it that's that's when it becomes fun as as a defensive lineman. That's when you. That's when you start having fun. That's where you get out there. And you can try everything. Yeah, that you want to right. try. That's right. Because you know you got this guy thinking now. He's that's in right. there. He losing all technique. He he just focusing on you. He ain't setting anything. He's just looking. How can I block this? I don't know what he's going to do. Right. And that's when you know you won right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. So think we've all had a, you know this unique off season and we're finally coming out of it. Right. And, and so thinking back over the last several months, what are a couple of things that, you know, that you've picked up 
concerning you know coaching or or D line play that that you're looking forward to implementing this season? Um, I think more so of actually being on the Zoom call last week and hearing Coach Martin down there from uh, I think Coach Martin from Mark. Yeah, right? he's at Mark. Right. Yep, that's right. Yes, and just even though he's a defensive coordinator, uh, and I could be behind. Again, I'm learning things still. I'm only going into my, I guess this would be my seventh year varsity, but, you know, I usually do my review, like I say, Monday, because we have D1 Mondays, and I know I can slow it down. But I like what he said as far as being a DC of just sending them formations and things out on Sundays. And letting those guys kind of going and getting the feel of it, of knowing what to expect. So yeah, I've kind of taught myself to go the extra mile, to do the extra work, just to be able to have your kids more comfortable and more prepared. So I've got, I took that last week, wrote it down, and said, "That's what I'm gonna do." You know, I'm gonna spend all weekend putting a cut up together, and I already do cut up, but it's gonna be coming sooner now. Yeah, you know, you're yeah. gonna get this cut up in these formations and. In this report on Sunday now instead of getting it on Monday. So I think it's more so like I do everything that Coach Martin was already with that that he does, but I think I want to do it 24 hours earlier now is basically what I think, what I took from it. You know, instead of doing it on Monday, yeah. let's do it on Sunday. So yeah. now you guys are just sitting around getting ready to go to practice. Now you got a couple of things going to go to bed on, wake up throughout the day at lunch when you can watch film on your phone instead of waiting until 3.30 in the afternoon to see. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that that's a product, you know, what Coach M- Martin's talking about. You know, because I, I went from being at a, at, at a 5A school where I just had my D-line guys all day, every day, and now I'm at a 4A school where, where you know, our numbers are smaller and we share our guys. So, you know, I have my, – my time and practice is so much more limited. So I think that what you kind of learn by necessity that – you know, now I coach a lot on cutups, and because you just don't have the time, like, and, and they're also my guys are going, and some of them are, you know, are playing offensive line, some are playing tight end, um, you know, different positions, and and so they got a lot of stuff to think about, and so you do have to kind of, you know, get creative and and making those cutups and making some notes on huddle and things like that, and that's sort of a product of coaching at a smaller school, and you just kind of learn that you have to do that kind of stuff by necessity because. You just don't have the time that you have, you know, that, that, that coaches at bigger schools have with their kids. Yeah, it is. Exactly. And it's crazy because you say that, and I look at you guys, and I know, like, man, you know, you guys got less time than me, and I'm sitting over here complaining about having 25 to 30 minutes and still thinking <laughs> yeah. it's not enough time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all want more Indy, and, and that's one of the biggest, been one of the biggest struggles here is just, uh, it, being at a smaller school is is not having that time, and so but you can't complain. I mean, it's it. I hate saying this phrase because I think it's so. But it is what it is. Um, but you, so you just have to figure it out, and that's that's one of the things that you can do. At least that I found is you coach a lot on cutups, and when you get your kids to, you know, where they're used to watching that and they're used to seeing that, and it's not, you know, it's like five or six plays with some notes on it. Hey, check this, check this, and then when you come out to practice, they've seen it, you know. And I, a lot of times I put in a question there, like, hey what's the answer to this or what's this going on? And then they, they I text me and I'll say, text me the answer. So I know they're watching it and know they're not just breezing through it. And then we get out to practice like, Hey, did you see that play? All right, let's, let's fix this. And we can just move on and they've already seen it and we can kind of move on with our practice. Yeah, totally agree. So just, just curious coming out of, you know, being in DFW, 
uh, and, and being really familiar with, with the, the brand of football played there, what schemes do you guys commonly see in your district and, and how are you, you know, how do you guys defend those with your front? Obviously, you know, not ask, asking you to give up all your secrets here, but just some common ways that you are coaching your guys up to defend those schemes that you're seeing uh, out, of, uh, out of offenses in your district. Uh, we usually just see a lot of that, uh, you know, that GG, uh, for his own. We're starting to get a lot of pistol teams. Uh, so, you know, you just close enough to what I, I tell those guys. The main thing I tell my guys right now is that if, if, if there's no team really that says don't block one of the D linemen. You know, so the biggest thing we kind of see is that uh, them zone read, zone keep. So now you might be leaving that end alone, or you just trapping them, or you're influencing them, really. So that's the biggest thing I feel like we have to be better at is is our influence. And when they try to trap us, so mainly when we're at that four and five and you get that, that we're at four second and you get that tackle that just screams off the ball, running straight to the outside back, and we know we got to play get hands on that guy, and we chasing them. And now we they just running us out of the place, and we got to get our eyes back inside. Yeah. So we got to do that, yeah. see it, see it. We do that, feel it, and see it. So, you know, I'm feeling them, but I'm seeing it too. So they know if I'm in a five, there's no reason my eyes still shouldn't be in the inside because if some leave, some come. That's right. That's right. Do you guys get a lot of formations out there? I mean, that's something we deal with a lot over here in East Texas is there's a ton of personnel groupings, a ton of formations, and it's a it's a big time headache. Uh, game planning for that kind of stuff is that something you guys see a lot over there? Uh, not so much, but I will say with Ben Dyer in the district now, that's probably going to be a little different. I was in I was in a district with Ben Dyer a couple of years ago, and them guys would have eighty formations, and I was with a defensive coordinator that wanted to write down every formation. Yeah, yeah. you know, because here we kind of just take the you know, whether it's top five, top six, top seven formations, top runs, top passes, or whatever, and we, we go with it, and you know, so. But other than that, outside of those guys, we don't really see too much of different, uh, a lot of formations. You know, I think next to that, you probably have Plano, but you know Plano is going to try to, you know, beat you on the ground, you know, but they might line up in double tight, they might line up in 10, 11, 12, but at the end of the day, they're still going to run the ball out of all those. So you kind of know what to expect. Like, yeah, you got all these different formations, but we know what your bread and butter is. You're still going to be probably 70, 30 with 70% run, 30% pass. Yeah. I, I'm just curious, you know, growing up in NDFW and, and playing big school uh, football there and now coming back and coaching it, you know, you're, you're at McKinney now, you've been at Plano West. Uh, in your opinion, just over the years, how has has football in the Metroplex changed? Um, I think it's just so much more in a good way, kind of like, you know, the young generation is working on their game a lot more. You know, you got a lot of trainers out here nowadays. You yeah. know, I can say when I was growing up, we wasn't, I wasn't looking for a personal trainer. I was looking to have fun outside of football, like, you know, we was, I will say, you know, we didn't have too much of video games back then like it is now. You know, I wasn't looking forward to a PS5 coming out like that hard now. Yeah. You know, we was more so looking at what we can we ride these bikes to or what we're going to go play some tackle football or basketball at. You know, but I will say it wasn't too much of a, hey, I got to go work out with my trainer. So yeah. I, 
I'd be back later. Like, it yeah. wasn't too many trainers then. But yeah. I think now, this new generation, these guys is out here with these trainers, working on their games and, you know, doing things like that. I, I mean, I know I'm a, a defensive line guy, but I'm, I, I sit here and say it. I might get some flack for it, but I'm not – I'm not one of those coaches that's against the, the trainers and the seven on seven teams. You know, the kids out there being active. You know, there's a lot of other things they can be doing in worse ways. So yeah, yeah. If I got a kid that that want to go train, that's gonna keep them busy and out of trouble for two or three hours. Cool. If I got a kid that's probably playing on a seven on seven team or playing his AAU basketball, that's a second sport to him. But I know he's with a coach and got his eyes on him for three straight days instead of him being back here getting into trouble. I'm all for it. Yeah. So I think that's the different thing nowadays that you have is that, you know, like this new generation, you gotta put some extra work in. Like back when I was when I was coming through, we weren't putting the extra work in. I mean, if you did it, it was because you wanted to be wanted to have fun. So for right. me, if I was putting extra work in, I might be out here playing football, but I'm not doing no D line stuff. I'm out here running routes now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to catch yeah. football now. Yeah. Compared to now these guys is Going and meeting with trainers, they going uh, to seven on seven tournaments. They playing a second sports and going in AAU or baseball. So back then you weren't doing that. It was playing at summer strength conditioning. We had somebody out doing something or going to the mall or something like that. Yeah, I think the stuff with the trainers and, and you know the seven on seven stuff. I, I think as long as that is seen by that trainer and the kid is this is a way to supplement what I'm doing with my coaches in the regular season or my high school team, you know, that my high school team takes precedence over what I'm doing with the trainer or with this team. Like the stuff outside of school is meant to supplement what's going on within the high school. Then I think that then, then you're in good shape, but it's when that stuff you know, outside of the school takes precedence over what happens inside the school is when it makes us coaches angry, right? You know, when, when yeah. you, you kill the kids' legs in the weight room uh, one day in the offseason, they go see their trainer and they're, they're, they're killing their legs again and they're coming back. They're not recovering and they're, you know, um, uh, then you, you, know, you have some injuries and things going on. I think that's what, what kind of makes us a little bit nervous. But, and most of the time, those guys are doing a good job of, of making sure they're supplementing what the coaches are doing you know, within their program. Yes, agreed, agreed. All right, well, we're going to move into our rapid-fire questions. And here, they're not really questions. I'm giving you two sets of words, and you're going to pick your preference and kind of just off the top of your head, not a whole lot of thinking behind it. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm going to start throwing these words here at you. Some have to do with defensive line play, some of them not so much. But uh, here we go. We're going to jump right in. So uh, so you, you ready to do this, Coach? Yes, sir. All right, here we go. So, uh, first up, when it's when you're talking D line play, uh, do you prefer playing head up technique or shades? Shades. Shades. Okay. For you on a Friday night or Thursday night, you guys play a lot of Thursday night games over there. Also, uh, press box or sideline? Sideline. Got to be on the sideline. Okay. I got them kids. Got. I got to be able to talk to my players after every I, I hear you. I hear you. Okay. Uh, I, we already kind of touched on this, and I'd already had this question down, but I think I know what you're, what you're going to pick here. But what would you rather coach, pass rush or stopping the run? Stopping the run. No doubt, no doubt. Okay, on on the weekend, let's say you got a little extra time, you're chilling at the house, what are you more likely to watch, the NFL or college football? College football. It's, it's crazy. I, 
I don't know. I think it's more electrifying. Like you're gonna see more big plays in college football. Yeah, no, I agree. You, know, you see, I agree. You know, college football is kind of still like that that level of of playing where you still got one or two guys that's still way better than everybody else on the field. Yeah, and, to when you get to NFL, you know, most almost everybody's kind of on the same playing field. Yeah. It's more so about what scheme are you doing and what are you doing that they're not doing. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. I agree with you on that one. Okay, for you, all right, your pregame routine, does it involve music or no music? Oh, music. Okay. I'm, I'm just like the kids. I'm, I probably get more hype than, than the kids <laughs> What's on the uh, – give us a little uh, sneak peek on, on what's what's on Coach Bryant's pregame playlist. Oh, man, I kind of try to stay up with all the new music. Uh, I'm, a, I'm an NBA young boy fan. Um, I'm starting to get on the ride ways. And things like that, but I still go back to just I'm still a I'm an old school guy still. And it's not old, but you know, people still that some of these young generation don't know how good Lil Wayne was. Yeah. So yeah. I'm a Lil Wayne fan still. So I still play old stuff, the quarter one, the quarter two, things like that. Okay. Now now do you talk to your kids about do you get new music from your kids or do you kind of discover that on your own? I do. You know, it's crazy. I was just talking to one of my uh one of my wife's friends, uh, her boyfriend, uh, yesterday, we were just talking, like, you'd be surprised, like, you know, coming through the locker room after practice when you tell them guys good practice and things of those nature, and you hear somebody singing something or playing something, you're like, man, who is that? Like, yeah. So you kind of find yourself bobbing your head to it. Yeah. Like, who is that? They tell you, and then you find yourself, I find myself going to Apple Music. Yep. And, add, and adding it on mine, so... I like doing that. I like, and I'll I'll ask, but also like just hearing it and kind of not saying something, just sort of like, all right, I'm gonna Shazam that real quick and put it on my playlist, yeah. and then and then the next time, oh, yeah. next time I got the aux for practice or something, I'll throw that on there and not say anything about it, just throw it on there, and then but, and then and then it, they kind of are surprised. I'm like, yeah, man, what's up? I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I got, I know, I know that song. Um, I don't I know. Think, just, I think I think I think we all got that Shazam on there. Yeah, I, yeah. I think, and I think it's one of those apps that you kind of don't want nobody. To exactly. Know you I don't want to know I'm Shazamming their song. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but you know you got it. Yeah. I get some of my players, too. I get some of my players. You know, they look at me and, and don't know. I, I listen to the Zach Brown band, Jason Aldean, uh, Maroon 5, and Nick Jonas, and all those guys. I got some of all that. There on, you go. On my, on my there playlist. you go. I like it. I like it. Okay. Uh, when you're when it comes to talking about your defensive front, are you attack and react or react and attack? I'm gonna attack and react. We got to get off that ball. I want to set a new line of scrimmage. I like it. Okay, your writing utensil of choice: pen or pencil? Uh, I'm LCD, so I hate messing up. I get a pen. Okay. I got to get the actual white out and do it, and but I'm a, I'm a pen guy. Yeah, I see. I am too. I like taking pens out to practice. I always, and I have the same kind. They're 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 the Pilot G twos, and I'm just really picky about that. Um, oh yeah, I'm the same way. Pilot G two, that thin that thin tip. Yeah, mine's a seven, I, 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 so it's a medium. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I clip it onto my whistle. Yeah, and, and yeah, I don't like pen caps. You know, like I I gotta have the I gotta I gotta have the click. You know, there you go, right there. Um, so definitely a pen person, a pencil. It's just too light. Um, the, the lead breaks. I know that, you know, you mess up and you can erase, but you know, uh, I, I just think the, uh, the benefits of a pen are much better. Okay. So there we go. There's, there's pen or pencil. All right. 
caffeine source of choice, coffee or energy drink? Uh, I'm actually neither. I'm not a, I'm a coffee guy because I'm a sweet tooth guy. Okay. So All right. I'm the type of guy that I'm weird. You'll see me at six o'clock at night and I tell my wife, I want Starbucks. I want to go get a caramel ribbon crunch. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it things like that. Or I might get coffee and I, I put creamer and sugar. So. <laughs> yeah. Sports drink, but I probably say coffee over sports. I got drink. you. I'm not, I, I feel like with me being 300 plus pounds, some of the five hour energy and red boys <laughs> don't do nothing for me. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. All right. Um, okay, so going back to your days at Baylor, okay, and this is in the Big 12, old Big 12 days. So who would you, when you were, when you were playing at Baylor, who would you rather beat, Texas or A&M? Yeah, I just still think to this day, I just something about AM I don't like. Okay. All right. Just something about them. <laughs> now now let's go back to those old Big Twelve days real quick. Just just uh, just do you remember, you know, uh, what were some of the more intimidating places that you played, you know, in the Big Twelve? Because you got you got AM, you got Nebraska. Uh I, I'm trying to think who's not in there anymore that used to be in there. Um you know, with well, Missouri was still in there. So, who were what were some of those memorable places that you played at the Big Twelve? Uh, I would say, if you had to say it, one of the stadiums that was just it was A and M. When you get up there and they start doing that rocking side to side, yeah. yeah, you know that that it's, it's a different feeling. What from looking up and seeing a hundred thousand plus rocking side yeah. to side, yeah. And then when they start doing all their chants and things, so that was that can be kind of intimidating if you're playing that for the first time. Yeah, I think that the coolest stadium you play at though is is Nebraska. You know, with no NFL team, and your your college team stadium sits downtown. Yeah, and when you can't stay in the town the night before because all hotels are sold out, that tell you something. Yeah, yeah, I've always heard that about Nebraska and just being such a cool game day experience. That's definitely something I. Like to see firsthand for sure. Okay, last one. Now I know you you started out your coaching career coaching some junior high football, and we all know any of us who have done that 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 can be really tough. But here's what I want to know: What's tougher, coaching junior high football or taking on a double team as a nose guard? You've done both. Which one's tougher? Oh man, <laughs> taking on a double team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just barely. I'm, I'm choosing double team because you ain't got the right technique on a double team, or you ain't if you ain't got some ump behind you and and like I say that technique, you're getting embarrassed. Yeah, you're gonna be on somebody's no highlight tape. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, coaching junior high is pretty tough, but yeah, I would definitely take the uh, seventh graders over the uh, the the, the three hundred pound plus center and guard bearing down on me for sure, for oh, sure. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Coach, uh, Brian, it was a lot of fun, and, and I appreciate you coming on and talking some ball with us and, and just want to wish you and, and the McKinney Lions the best of luck this next season. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, same to you guys. Uh, glad, I'm glad we get having some football this year. Glad you guys get to start on time, so you guys go hold it down for us and keep this thing rolling. Thanks once again to Coach Bryant for joining us on the podcast today. Be sure to follow him on Twitter. You can find him at Coach97. That's at Coach9, spelled out N-I-N-E, and then the number 7. Let him know you heard him here on KYPD. Also, if you are a D-line coach and you're not following us on Twitter, then are you even a real D-line coach? Mash that follow button 
We will follow you back and you'll get plenty of great D-line content crashing your timeline. So give us a follow. You can also follow me at CoachTaylor53 for a uh, less exciting but still enjoyable follow. Uh, But if you really want to help us out, then please leave us a five-star rating and a detailed review. You like this podcast? Then let the world know. We always tell our kids that there are no secrets on defense. So leave us a review. Help spread the word about what we got going on here at KYPD. Our quote of the day given to us by Coach Bryant is this. In order to earn the right to rush the passer, you must first stop the run. Amen all day on that one, Coach. And that will do it for us today. Be sure to join us next week for episode number 73, where we bring on a retired college D-line coach who logged over 40 years in the coaching profession, and he made some stops as a big-time program. So it's going to be an outstanding episode, chock full of a ton of great stuff for you guys. And, 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 and hopefully by then I won't sound like a bullfrog choking on a bagel. So subscribe now and be sure to join us next week. Until then, if you want to have high school football, keep your mask up, but... Keep the pads down.